0: So uh, it's uh, it's coming up to Easter, and uh, we're on school holidays. So that's exciting, um, and I wonder if maybe it seems like there's a number of people who have gone to another place to maybe to meet with some people. Um, I don't know what your kind of traditions or, or things that you usually do uh, in for Easter. Um, Number of years ago, our thing that we used to do for Easter was we'd go up the mountain to to Woomba, and uh, and there was a music festival there that we'd join in with, and a lot of people would meet together there for Easter, and there'd be some people that you'd see just once a year. That was the people you see at Easter, and that was the thing that we did at Easter. But that was kind of that became the place we go for that thing, um, and people we'd meet at that place. Um, I imagine uh for all of us I'm sure through the week uh every day or so to day to day sort of thing you might have a, a favorite place that you have that you meet with people um, maybe it's the park or uh, a cafe um, you meet with friends and uh, and maybe there's we, we kind of like to have special places that we hang out with with people um is does anyone relate to that that's yeah that's good hey a special place we might hang out yeah. You know, the Bible describes a bunch of different places um, where God meets with people. Um, it's kind of a bit of a theme that happens throughout. Um, it's places where heaven and earth seem to overlap. It's amazing places. Um, and quite often very dramatic. Sometimes these look like mountaintops. Quite often they're mountaintops. You can sort of picture that image of the high part. It's sort of overlapping with heaven. Sometimes it's like gardens. Um, I came across the word paradise. I, I didn't realise this. Paradise is just actually, apparently, basically the Greek word for garden. Um, we see a lot of gardens in, in, in the Bible. And then... Eventually, later on, we see the temple, again a place that represents God's presence and a place where people meet with God. It was often like it was on a hill then, and uh, and it was uh, covered with lots of artworks of trees and stuff. So, how about that? It's a hill and a garden and a temple. Um, I think what we'll see from from the psalm today, though, is that God's desire to relate with the people and the world that He has made, and He wants to welcome you. And he wants to be welcomed by you. So let's look at, at this psalm. Now, I've also got a very abstract geometric picture for some of you guys. There's a circle, a triangle, and a square. That might be able to help us remember the three parts of the, of the psalm. You might cotton on to what, what that is. Let's start from verse one The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything belongs to God. I wonder how you see the world. Is it a big, crazy, chaotic disaster that you're just trying to get through and survive? Or do you, Maybe you see it as a, as a giant playground, a place to enjoy all kinds of experiences, fun, pleasure, entertainment, adventure, bucket list. You could see the world as a big journey of discovery. Um, challenge for learning as much as we can, developing into being better humans. Maybe you see the, the whole, there's a whole bunch of opportunities around you that you're supposed to grab hold of and maximise, try and be as successful as you can. Well, maybe, to you, the world looks like a whole bunch of evil that you want to avoid. It could be any combination of all that stuff. Um, as we read this psalm, we see in verse 1, well, the, the whole world belongs to God and everything in it. So that gives us some perspective, I think. Um, A few weeks ago, we we saw Jesus telling a story about the tenant farmers um, that were renting a vineyard from a rich landowner. God's that landowner, isn't he? We don't own this place. We are caretakers. As humans made in God's image, we've been given some authority as mini kings and queens uh, to look after our world together. But the earth ultimately belongs to God. You know, another way of looking at it is uh, the role God gave Adam and Eve was like a priestly role. They lived and worked in the sacred garden space and many, in many ways they represented God to the rest of the world. As we think of God as the owner of all things, including ourselves, the owner of us, that's got to change our perspective on life. Um, We think about God as the owner and the maker. Um, There's some meaning and purpose in that, I think. There is someone who made and owns. Um, Talks about the earth and everything in it. I really like this sentiment, and you see this actually in Genesis 1. It's ordered. He makes the space, separates the light and the dark, separates the water above and below, makes these ordered spaces for the first three days. And the next three days, he goes ahead and fills these ordered spaces. Just very structured and ordered and beautiful. It's kind of a sense of making order of things, setting it out just right, and then using that space and filling it. Verse 2, he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And that's, that might sound a bit strange. Hey, like, are we just floating here? That, I mean, scientifically, that, that could... I'm not sure it's necessarily trying to specifically describe physics here. It's a kind of a story happening here where... Remember, there was, there was the waters... And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and these waters is kind of like chaos and mystery and mayhem. Yeah, like you can't walk on water. I can't. Uh, it's and who knows what's down in the deep? It's chaos. But God has brought order out of chaos. He's made and founded the earth on top of all this stuff. It's like He's had victory over it. Um. Describes a sense of power and authority over chaos. Victory over disorder and mess. This is God's intention for you and me. Keeping things in order. Have victory over the mess. (laughs) How's uh, how's that looking for you in your life right now? I tell you, if you uh, had a bit of a look in, in the car I drive to work each day, have a look inside there. You'll see a fair bit of disorder and mess. <laughs> um, we see the beautiful order of things in the Garden of Eden didn't really last too long either. Adam and Eve chose their own way instead of trusting God, and they excluded themselves from this beautiful paradise meeting place with God. Further down the track in Genesis, we see, you know, in the time of Noah. God allowed the chaos of humanity's sin and violence to kind of come to its fullness and overflow in a, a flood. God allowed that to happen. So while there was order, humanity chose disorder. And at that point, God allowed that sort of decreation to happen. But even in that time, there was a way, wasn't there? A way of salvation through that. Noah and his family got on a boat... And, uh, and at the end of it all, they landed on a mountain. That's nice, isn't it? Well, maybe one of those special places. I wonder if you feel victorious over the chaos in your life. We do get caught up in the mess of the world, and we all contribute to the mess. I wonder, if, is there any way we can get back to that relationship of meeting with God? Can we live up to the standards of the creator of the world. We're supposed to be making sense of places and then filling it with fruitful, beautiful things. Verse 3 asks the question, who may ascend, go up the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? There it is. So we've had the circle, right? That's that's. God made the world, yeah? And then the triangle, that's the holy mountain. Just if you're fine with that, guys, yeah? The mountain of the Lord. He graciously preserves a holy place where heaven and earth overlap. Even though Adam and Eve have excluded themselves from the garden, there is still a place of God's presence on the earth. But why? Why? Because he loves us. His intention is to have a relationship with us. But who would dare to walk into that place with all of their mess? Who on earth would be worthy to go into God's holy place? Verse 4 says, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So to stand before God, we need to have clean hands and a clean heart. I wonder if you've heard this kind of phrase at home, something like, "Ah, don't bring that in here! Or, what are you doing? You're all covered in mud. It's usually me saying that. (laughs) I love my kids, but for everyone's benefit, I don't want Ernie walking into the house after he's just stepped in dog poo, yeah? You've got to be like, hold on, wait. You've got to preserve something here, right? The psalmist says about clean hands and a clean heart. What do you do with your hands? Have you got mess on your hands? Since COVID, we've gotten pretty good at washing our hands. But I wonder if our actions have caused some mess for others or for ourselves this week. Are you clean? And how about on the inside? Again, last week, we heard uh, Jesus describing the Pharisees. They were cleaning the outside of the cup, but not the inside. Sort of all for show, but they were hypocrites. I know I try and look like a good person on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. What are the hidden messes that only God sees? And then the second part of verse 4, Well, are there idols that we worship? The original language kind of, it's, it's a bit quirky. This is poetry. This is beautiful, isn't it? There's this kind of really interesting thoughts within there. The second part of this verse, sort of the original language tends to say that, you know, one who wouldn't lift up their soul or their, their being, their life towards an idol. Other Psalms talk about lifting our soul to the Lord in worship. I wonder if we might lift ourselves to other things that would want to compete with God. I guess maybe you could say, well, what is it that gets you up in the morning? Is it, I want to serve the Lord because this is the earth that belongs to him and I belong to him? Or is it, I want to make more money. I want to be popular here or achieve this thing. Lots of opportunities for idols that come up there. Do we look up to things? That would be a potential idol. And the other little part there is swearing by a false God. I what kind of false things we say or allegiances that we kind of make with things that are false and wrong. If we want to have relationship with God, we have to have a desire for holiness, for cleanness. Do you want to bring dog poo into the house of the Lord? No. God is the creator. We can't just be careless about this. But we need his grace, don't we? We need his cleaning. Actually, this is kind of why the people are coming to the temple to ask for forgiveness and be cleansed. So we see God again like that that boat that Noah had. God making a way for people. God making a way to welcome us despite our mess. And I'm gonna just jump to verse six. The people with clean hands and clean hearts are the ones who have been seeking God. It says, Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. We make ourselves dirty when we pursue our own life away from God. To seek him is to turn away from our own ways and to trust him and receive grace and mercy and be cleaned. It's interesting that Jacob is mentioned here. Um, He's kind of used as, he's a patriarch, he represents the people of God, doesn't he? The ancestors of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob become the people of Israel. Um, It's also interesting to think about the story of Jacob. This family was promised blessing, weren't they? Jacob was promised blessing. He's such an interesting character. Maybe we can relate. He struggled with God. He was a schemer and a scammer. Dishonest trickster, kind of out to get the stuff that he wants to get. It kind of, at some key points, though, he's so desperate to receive God's blessing. Um, And, you know, when he comes to revisit his brother Esau, he's worried what's going to happen. He actually does, in desperation, turn to God and, and pray and confess his sin. God journeys, he journeys with God, God journeys with him and he he comes to confess some things and turn from his own ways and he has some amazing encounters with God. Let's just skip back to verse 5 again then. So these people who are seeking God, turning from their own ways, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. The gathering of people, this generation, who seeks God, like Jacob, can't make themselves clean, but they are made clean by God, their Saviour, and they receive blessing. They are made right. What a gracious God. He welcomes his people with blessing. Of course we're not clean. But do you want to be made clean? Are you truly seeking God? Do you trust him for cleansing? Even though this seems like such an overwhelming prospect standing before God, he is there ready to clean us and welcome us to be with him. Down to the square, it's the third one. I don't know if you've guessed it, it's gates. The psalm goes on, it's the third and final part. Verse 7, lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, That the King of Glory may come in. So we're thinking about who might begin to ascend God's holy mountain, but now we have a different picture. It seems someone is already at the gate, ready to enter. It's a king, a true glorious king, not a failed mini-king or queen like you or I. Verse 8: Who is this king of glory? Who is this king? Someone said, "God, <laughs> the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle." As we uh, have already reflected, it's Easter next week, and traditionally today is often remembered as Palm Sunday. Yeah. Um, this is the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. This psalm has often been connected with Palm Sunday. Um, it's tricky saying palm and psalm, psalm, palm. Um, it reminds us of Jesus' glorious entrance into Jerusalem with people waving palm branches because there's a king, a glorious king entering. The question is asked, I think, you know, in this psalm, who is this? And it was a question often asked about Jesus. Who is this? Who is this man who claims this and that or does this and that? Who is he? Where is he from? He received quite a mixed reception, not always a warm welcome. In fact, soon after, Palm Sunday, he was rejected. But this is the Lord, strong and mighty, The Lord coming as perfect king. He comes as the only human who truly has clean hands and a pure heart. He comes to offer relationship with God. He comes to offer victory over chaos and death of this world. It strikes me that uh, at the Passover feast, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's an important thing. He comes to cleanse and serve. Jesus talks about himself as the true temple. People meet with God through Jesus. We see Jesus going out to those who clearly don't have clean hands. But perhaps these people are desperately seeking him. Jesus is the holy space brought down to us. The owner and the creator of the world with us. But like those evil tenants, there are people who are unwilling to seek the creator and the owner of the world. As humanity dumps their very worst on him, Jesus remains strong and mighty. He is beaten, whipped, mocked, and killed. Jesus takes all of our sin, rebellion, chaos, and mess onto himself, and it takes him to the grave. But the strong and mighty king of glory wins. He comes alive again with victory over all the mess and chaos. As both temple and sacrifice, Jesus is raised alive and able to offer perfect cleansing and atonement for our sin. So that we can truly have relationship with God. The ancient doors, it says those ancient doors, perhaps the ancient doors of the beautiful paradise garden, can be opened again. Those ones that have stayed shut for so long, the king has come to open them. And so then, verse 9, the question is, will you welcome him? Verse 9, lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. I wonder what kind of gates you have personally. We tend to be guarded, suspicious, afraid. Perhaps you've been hurt by someone you trusted. They might have seemed like a kind saviour or a hero, but then instead you're left with chaos and mess. Idolatry, stuff that we think could be a God, lets us down. Sometimes we're keeping these... Gates closed. But now is the time to lift up your head. Don't be ashamed. Cleansing is here. Forgiveness is here. The mighty King Jesus is at your gate. By his spirit, he's bringing the holy space to you. Right at the end of the Bible, in Revelation, there's a quote from Jesus which says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You see what's happening? God is wanting to come in and be welcomed in. We can become a temple of the Holy Spirit, that sacred holy place can actually happen in us. That is mind-blowing. Just want you to think about that for the next few days. That holy place come to be in us. Verse 10, who is he? The King of glory. The, The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. So as we think that maybe these little shapes, God made the world. He he owns it. It's his. The triangle. Who may go up his holy hill? The square. Open those gates. He wants to welcome us. He wants us to welcome him. A relational God who loves us, who made us, and he wants a relationship with us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so amazed at these thoughts here today. We recognize that we just cause chaos and mess and disaster because so often we choose our own way. We come to you now admitting that we have been wrong. We're sorry for our pride, sorry for our selfishness, for not acknowledging you as creator and owner of this world. Lord, we long for your cleansing. We turn away from our own ways and we turn to you. We seek you, God. We ask for your cleansing that we might be brought into your presence. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus has done, taking on all of this curse of sin and death and mess We thank you that he has victory over that and that in you we can have victory. We thank you that you love us and you want relationship with us. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who has not yet let you in. Lord God, help us to trust you and to let you in and welcome you into our lives as Lord Change us, God. Be our king. Be our Lord. Show us the right way as we follow you. Cleanse us and make us right. And we thank you for the blessing there is in that. In Jesus' name, amen.